You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast. Your number one podcast for Florida Gator football. Scared money don't make money. You know, if we want championship results, we've got to have championship practice. I think um, the intensity in terms of how we prepare and practice should reflect the same urgency that we have on game day, right? I know each one of the people in our organization, certainly the players, will want to win when we get to the games in the fall, right? But I think we've got to replicate those conditions for the players in practice. You know, I think we did a lot of good today, right? I was extremely proud of the effort and a lot of bright spots. You know, we all understand we're learning new systems. I think the big thing for me is we want to have a practice environment where we're working together uh, to create as many teachable reps as possible, right? And, and I thought the staff did a good job today. You know, you learn by doing, right? You learn with repetition. And I think uh, we'll get better as we go forward here. You know, you got to train a certain way so that when it matters the most, you can perform and do your job for the team. Spring practice. Has started, folks. Tons and tons of stuff going on this week in Florida Gator Nation. Phase 3, Billy Napier, along with other position coaches, took to the media Tuesday to discuss spring practice, along with Mark Hockey and other players such as Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. But before we break down practice and the press conferences, I just mentioned a name that has now, as of today, entered the transfer portal. Emory Jones entered the transfer portal today officially on his social media. He thanks the fans for the support and the indescribable roar of 90K in the swamp. He then says, after many conversations with my family and after putting a lot of thought into my future, I have decided to enter the transfer portal. And, and, and first off, let me say, as far as Emory Jones' his on-field production went last year under a staff that you know was about to be shown the door, I, I honestly hope he lands somewhere where he can thrive and be a leader uh, you know, and a success at quarterback. We saw this with Jeff Driscoll. You know, not much success here at Florida. Gets beat by Treon Harris for the starting job. Transfers to Louisiana Tech and has a ton of success there. So much to where he's still, to this day, in the NFL. Albeit a backup, but still worthy of NFL teams wanting him for his talents. And, you know, now was a backup for the 49ers, the Bengals, the Lions, the Broncos. Now he's with the Texans. So, not to say that I hope Emory makes it in a backup role in the NFL, but at least in the NFL, is the ultimate goal for a lot of these kids. And I hope Emory finds a school and a conference he can thrive in. I mean, you know, to further show his skills, also improve his skills as a quarterback as well. So this means the starting quarterback battle now will be between Anthony Richardson and the guys behind him and a transfer from Ohio State, Jack Miller. So that's some interesting news to start it off with, especially on this podcast, man. Um, I can't say that I didn't expect Emory Jones to go into the transfer portal. And, I, you know, I heard from a lot of people that said, he was staying to finish his degree, in which he, he did say in his statement that he was finishing his degree with Florida, which is a good thing to do. So, And I see a lot of kids leave early for the NFL, and they don't finish that degree, which is fine. I mean, if you're going to be a first-round draft pick or second round, I don't, I don't blame you. But at least I think you should try to finish school somewhat. And, you know, I think that's better. And I'm, I'm glad that Emory Jones is electing to stay get his degree, and then transfer somewhere to where he can concentrate on football. No more classes, nothing like that. Concentrate on football and further his skill, like I said. So hats off to Emory Jones. Thank you for your contributions to the team. Even though it didn't work out here, I hope much success for you in the future. So, as I said, spring practice has officially started, and some interesting quotes here 
from Billy Napier. Our first day, what were the highlights and, and what are the lowlights? Yeah, no, I think um, overall just the approach by the players. You know, I thought um, the for the most part, I thought we were well prepared. You know, I think the, we were efficient, we were organized, the staff did a great job, all the different parts. You know, it, it takes a lot to get ready to practice. You know, we're talking probably 200 people that contribute. Um, so I was pleased with that. I thought we were well prepared, we were organized, the effort was good from the players. Um, you know, we faded a little bit at the end, but if we're doing it the right way, that's probably what's going to happen. Sorry. Um, you know, overall, I just think the effort in general was really good, and I thought the staff was well-prepared and it was organized and efficient. Overall approach by the players, prepared, organized, effort. What you like to hear, the buy-in, the effort, organized. Billy did allude to the players fading at the end, but I think he said, you know, that's going to happen when you're putting in a lot of effort. Also, helps with cardio and conditioning. Get those guys used to that. Kind of like, you know, the hold on to the rope thing. Push them to the limit. That way they will last, especially deep into those fourth-quarter games, when it's close and the points matter the most. Billy Napier also gave us some information on a familiar face there, number 15, Anthony Richardson. Um, you know, he is not. He has been cleared. Um, but, you know, we are kind of limiting the type of concepts that he's running in terms of putting him in position to where he has to, to move around too much, if that makes sense. A little bit of a quick whistle. You know, our quarterbacks are always non-contact. Um, so, but for the most part today, he participated just how he would participate uh, if he didn't have the surgery and wasn't returning from the injury. So there you have it, folks. All you folks that are worried about Anthony Richardson, his health and his return from injury need to not worry anymore. He is cleared and he is practicing. Felt great, you know, uh, just being back, uh, running around, practicing with the guys, being with the new staff. Felt great, a lot of energy. You know, just being back, that's, that's the, the most important part to me. Yeah, it felt great. Uh, honestly, I was just focused on uh, making sure my lower half was right, you know, because I had surgery on my knee. Uh, that was pretty much my, my main concern. Um, but this this uh, past spring break, uh, I went up to Jacksonville, trained a little bit just to get my mechanics back in check. And uh, my QB trainer said I looked good. I felt good. So I just tried to showcase that today. Yeah, honestly, I didn't. Uh, I really started throwing again towards the end of last month, like towards the middle, uh, you know, because I was pretty, like, uh, immobilized uh, with the brace and everything. But once I got out of it, I tried to throw as much as I could, and I feel good now. You know, after I had my surgery, they said I was going to be out for a couple of months. Um, so, uh, honestly, they didn't know when I was supposed to be back. But I rehabbed really hard, um, and they told me yesterday that I was cleared to, to go today. So that, that put a spark in me, and I, I felt good out there. I do feel a lot better. Um, before the surgery, you know, my leg was like, really sore. But... Nah, I feel a lot better just moving around and stuff, and I feel a lot more confident. So there you have it. All the answers about the surgery, the clearance from the doctors, and how Richardson feels after the surgery. He also mentioned that he doesn't feel pain there anymore either, so maybe we get a new and improved Anthony Richardson here coming into spring. He also mentioned that the doctors told him pulling his hamstring could have also contributed to that MCL surgery he needed. So let's help. All the dings and setbacks from last year is something Richardson and us fans as watchers can put behind us. So Mark Hockey, though, also took to the media as well. And uh, let me tell you something about him, man. I have a ton of respect for Nick Savage. He brings the energy. Mark Hockey has that same energy as well, but it's just on a whole different level. All right, first, I want to thank y'all. Appreciate y'all uh, covering us. 
telling these guys' story. Uh, they're no different than you, right? You, you work really hard on a daily basis, show up, do your job at a high level, take a lot of pride in your job, and they're no different than you. They show up on a daily basis, uh, work really hard at their job, uh, to give you a product that you can be proud of, that you can be proud of and cover. So we appreciate you help telling these guys' stories. Uh, we're really excited to be here uh, at Florida, and we're going to work really hard to give you a product to be proud of. Secondly, I want to say how proud as of a staff we are of this team and their efforts so far. Throughout the first two phases of foundation and identity, there's been tremendous buy-in at the player level. Uh, they've showed up one day at a time, worked really hard, given great effort, showed up with great self-discipline, and I think we've improved one day at a time, one week at a time, and now it's been about few, a few months in, really two months of work to show for it. Uh, now we step into phase three, spring ball. You know, I, I miss football. I'm sure y'all miss football. I realize today how much we missed football, getting to see them fly around and compete. Uh, and play the game we love. Uh, so just excited to show up again in a couple days. We get to get swole tomorrow, so we got a little lift going on tomorrow, and then back to the grind and practice on Thursday. <laughs> Pretty high energy, man. I, I thought the microphone was going to fly off the podium with the, uh, the amount of intensity he had in his voice. But he also alludes to doing the small things right, which was something really important last year that didn't get done. We met with each player individually before we got to work. We thought that would be good uh, to create some rapport. And that was the biggest thing. You know, as a leader, you have a vision and a plan and how to improve everybody, right? But I want to find out from you, what do you think we need to improve upon, right? And the constant thing that, or one of the best things that kind of kept coming up was, we need to make the small things important. Right? And that's accountability, right? That's another way of saying holding people accountable. So that's, we put a premium on that, making the small things important, right? You might think from a weight room standpoint, how you do a, a clean or a power clean or a back squat is really important. No, we want to know are you tucked in? Do you have your jewelry? Are you fit? Are you in your dress code for the day? Are you early? Are you on time, right? Do you work throughout the entire 60-minute period? So those are the details, right? All of these guys, they wouldn't play at Florida, right, if they weren't blessed with a tremendous amount of ability. We've got to get consumed with the intangibles, right? Integrity, discipline, toughness, effort, playing together, right? Uh, and then, obviously, becoming believers. Believe you can do it at a high level and compete with anybody. Accountability, making the small things important, tucked in, jewelry, dress code. How many times did we see the players showing up to practice last year just in casual clothes, some wearing jewelry at times? I, I don't even need to go into accountability with the last coaching staff. I think I've harped on the last staff enough, especially from an accountability aspect. So really nice to see finally that accountability and importance to detail is back in the program. Getting consumed with the intangibles, intensity, integrity, toughness, effort playing together, becoming believers, doing it at a high level, believing you can compete with anybody. And I think that's cool that, you know, Mark Hockey even mentioned a quote from Michael Jordan. I, I want to practice so hard that the game is easy. Really good stuff here from Mark Hockey. This is what you work for. It's my fourth time in the SEC. There's no better conference. If you want to be the best at what you do, I think everybody's goal in here would to be the best at what you do. You're going to show up and work really hard and compete at a really high level. This is the best football in the conference. I've felt like that anywhere I've ever been, and I've been at a few different conferences, right? And if you want to be the best, you got to compete with the best. 
Right? You've got to be able to recruit the best. You've got to be able to develop them year-round, have a plan for them, not just one week at a time, not just as them showing up, but for the three to five years that you have them. And develop them mentally and physically. Teach them how to be men. Teach them how to be leaders. Be the best at what you do. Recruit the best. Develop them year-round. Have a plan for them. Develop them mentally and physically. Teach them how to be men and leaders. And the key word I liked that he said in that whole quote recruit the best. How many times did we miss on some elite in-state prospects that wanted to come to the University of Florida in the past seven years? A lot. (laughs) I don't even need to go into the numbers there. I think a lot of you already know. So, you know, a lot of these kids want to come to the University of Florida. Every single year you see a recruit saying, Florida's my dream school, and they're in the state of Florida. Put in that effort. Show them you want them here. Work hard, even if it's sacrifice to sleep. Strive to be the best at what you do in all facets of coaching development, and the main thing that's been giving us fits, especially with depth, recruiting. So some some really interesting quotes here from Mark Hockey and the rest of the staff. And speaking of recruiting, a huge, huge month and especially a huge weekend for Gator Nation right now. And I reached out to one of my main guys out there who's been on top of recruiting ever since he's gotten into the business. Connor Clark from SI.com will join me and we will be going over some of the key players visiting this weekend And some of the big-name targets Florida needs to hit on. And some of the top 100 and top 150 guys already getting some crystal balls here for Florida. Coming up here on the second part of Getting Swamped. Need a sign for your company, your man cave, your live stream or podcast? Give my guy Brandon White a shout-out at White & Sons Woodcarving. He has the best handcrafted signs nationally, all custom fit for your needs. With state-of-the-art paint and epoxy, you can have that glow of your sign too with some custom LEDs as a package as well. Give him a shout-out on Twitter at WS Woodcarving. You can also follow him on Twitch and check out his Facebook page at White & Sons Woodcarving. Top-of-the-line signs made from scratch. College programs must be competitive in name, image, and likeness. It impacts current athletes and affects the decisions of recruits. And Gator fans can put Florida at the forefront of NIL. The Gator Collective is leading the charge, uniting fans and student-athletes like never before. Commit for exclusive content, interactions, and events which bring you closer than ever to your favorite players. Also, by joining the Gator Collective, you're empowering these student-athletes to build relationships and develop skills that go far beyond just making money. You're providing an avenue for these Gators to excel in life. NIL will change the landscape of college sports if we can't be left behind. Gator Nation, do your part by joining the Gator Collective today at www.thegatorcollective.com. You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast with your host, David Soderquist. Your number one source for all things college football and Florida Gators. All right, folks, I have on Connor Clark from SI.com. I believe, Connor, last time I talked to you, you were with Rivals, and now you're over at Sports Illustrated. How's Sports Illustrated treating you so far, man? Oh, it's going well, man. Uh, Awesome team over there with Zach, Demetrius, uh, Brandon, all those guys. Really enjoying it. Uh, Got great crew and looking forward to cranking out actually quite a few articles over the next couple days with uh, the jam-packed visitors list we've had this weekend. Um, a lot of good stuff, uh, a lot of positives for Florida. So it's, uh, as many people have pointed out, it's uh, it's a lot more fun to cover and follow recruiting nowadays. Yeah, definitely. And, and I bet you there's going to be a lot of keys typed between all you guys over there 
at SI between now and probably the end of March and even further on, even into the end of the year, because things have cranked up, folks. And if you've been paying attention to social media, Twitter, uh, if you're going on 24-7 on three, you see a lot of crystal balls here, there. So I'm going to ask the first question, the most interesting question that's on everybody's mind. A.J. Harris, Cormonty McClain, two big names, cornerback, five-star guys, number one and number two cornerback. Florida, they're currently visiting this weekend. Some crystal balls predictions soaring on on three twenty four seven sports for AJ Harris to Florida, who was once actually a Georgia lean. First off, how do you feel about AJ Harris and Cormani McLean to Florida? If not now, but in the future, do you think we can pull a double whammy? Yeah. Um, so, like you said, AJ Harris is somebody that was is extremely highly touted number two cornerback in the country, uh, according to two four seven sports composite. Um, and he's somebody that every program in the country was after. Same thing with Cromani McLean, who I think is arguably the number one player in the country, regardless of position. He's just an absolute stud. I've got to see him in person multiple times. Um, and quite frankly, he could be a five-star at both defensive back and at wide receiver if he wanted to. Um, but uh, all signs point to A.J. Harris headed to Florida. Uh, we're recording this right now on Sunday around 1135. Um, there is some smoke that uh, that AJ Harris could be making a decision soon, um, and like I said, all signs kind of point towards Florida with that one. Uh, Corey Raymond and Billy Napier have done a fantastic job prioritizing him since they got on campus. He's been on campus multiple times um, and has been very vocal uh, about his appreciation for what Corey Raymond can do about. Uh, with players at his position, with players with his size at six foot one. Um, and he actually was on Instagram live yesterday uh, trying to kind of, I guess, recruit a little bit, l- maybe a little glimpse into the near future here, um, talking to Carmani uh, yeah. about the possibility of playing together at Florida. Um, so I think uh, something that we thought might have been a long shot uh, under the previous staff, with this new staff, I think you've got a pretty good, pretty good chance of landing both of those guys. So you're telling me recruiting's fun again, right? Absolutely, it's it's not just fun for fans to cover, but uh, as a as a writer, it's a lot more fun to talk to these kids when they give you solid quotes or they tell you, "Man, I had a fantastic time." Um, and the organization of how things are run with Billy Napier and his staff have really, really improved the recruiting experience for both the recruits and for us to be able to have those conversations with those kids, because it's, it's easy for them to talk about. Right. Right. And currently Steve Wiltfong, Blake Alderman, Jacob Rudner, and Zach Polstein, crystal ball, AJ Harris to Florida and Corey Bender actually put in <laughs> his crystal ball there too. And some, some of those guys over there, at on three, also uh, putting in their their predictions for Florida. So looking really good for these two elite cornerbacks here. And uh, you know, Connor, I, I I know I don't know what you guys do over there at SI. Y'all, if y'all have crystal balls or stamps of approval or what, um, <laughs> d- 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 does one of these one of these two or both of these get your stamp of approval right now? Um, yeah. So we don't have a, a board or a ranking site with crystal ball predictions or anything like that. Uh, if I did have one, I would absolutely have one in for AJ Harris at this time. Um, and quite frankly, I'd be leaning towards Florida with Kermani as well. So if you want to call it a, an SI stamp of approval, we can kind of patent that trademark that 
Um, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely uh, give the SI stamp of approval for AJ Harris for sure. Things are trending in the right direction for that young man. Um, and I think Cormani is, is on his way to, to getting that as well. Yeah. Well, that'd be something, man. I think, uh, I think I would start lying. I'm, I'm already ready to start lying a little bit, Connor, but, uh, (laughs) That's not the only, you know, only elites that been on camp. Actually, there's been a ton of elites this whole month, but just this weekend, running back Cedric Baxter and running back Richard Young, two highly touted running backs out of the state of Florida. On three has Baxter as their number one, 24-7 has Young as their number one running back. Either way, two impressive studs at Florida at the running back position. So first off, what's the word on their visits and how do they go? And I know it's a long time until February, but do you see – one of those guys eventually committing to Florida, or maybe someone like Treon Webb from Jacksonville, who's the fifth-ranked running back in the class and a top 150 prospect. Yeah, so Richard Young was on campus as well as Cedric Baxter, like you said. Both of them uh, had fantastic visits. Uh, I know uh, Jamar Chaney has some sort of connection to Richard Young. I don't know if it's his cousin or somebody or a family member that coaches him at Lehigh Senior High School. Um, but he's been instrumental in getting Richard Young up to Florida multiple times. Um, and actually one of Richard Young's former teammates, um, Alex Gonzalez, took a preferred walk-on spot uh, at the University of Florida for the 2022 class. He was on campus with Richard yesterday, definitely slipped on his recruiting cap. Um, but if, if I had to guess today, um, I wouldn't say Richard Young would be at the University of Florida. I know he grew up, uh, his dream school was Alabama. Alabama's recruiting him, uh, as well as other top programs across the country. Obviously, number one running back in the country. He's going to have uh, a laundry list of suitors that are going to be trying to get him on campus. Um, I do feel a little bit better uh, for Florida's chances on Cedric Baxter. Um while they weren't a serious contender under the previous staff since coach Napier's taken over. And I feel like I'm saying this with every prospect that I talk about um, since coach, since coach Napier's taken over, they've done a fantastic job recruiting this young man. Um, somebody that I think is one of the top running backs in the country, if not the top running back in the country, it's got phenomenal size at six foot, about six foot one, six, two, 215 pounds and has breakaway speed. Um, Coach Jaluk's done a phenomenal job working with him. Uh, Cedric is somebody that wanted, wanted to get his family back on campus, see how they felt about Florida. Um, originally from the 561, but currently stays in Orlando uh, at Edgewater High School. So it's not very far for him to get to Florida. It's only a couple of hours. Family be able to come see him. They've, they've done a, an, an absolutely phenomenal job recruiting this young man. Um, and he's somebody that I think if they continue to, trend the way they are, I could absolutely see him in the recruiting class for Florida as one of possibly two running backs that they take in the 2023 cycle. Um, Treyon Webb, another one that you just mentioned, I think he's somebody that out of those three is the most likely to be um, a future Florida Gator, uh, somebody that's got family ties to the university with his cousin D. Webb playing. Uh, I think it was back in the early 2000s. Um, and was was very honest about Florida not really being in the mix for him until Coach Napier and Coach Jaluk got there. Um, and now they're, what I would say, in the driver's seat for that young man's commitment. And I think if they get him on campus again soon here in the spring, you could see a commitment from him sooner rather than later. Dang, man. 
I like to hear that. <laughs> you're you're bringing music to my ears today, Connor. This is a this is a good interview so far. But uh, look, <laughs> you go on twenty four seven sports. The top, if you go just looking at the top seven running backs, <laughs> five of them are in the state of Florida. <laughs> so you have to at least get one of these guys, and they're all ranked, be, you know, below the top two hundred. So got to pull at least one of these kids from the state of Florida, you know. And, and Cedric Baxter, by the way that you're talking, looks like. Uh, Looks like it makes me feel good today, so uh, I, I, I'm not going to have a problem with that with that prediction. Is that the? Uh, do you think that's a little bit of a half a stamp of approval uh, for Cedric? Yeah, maybe half. Uh, uh, maybe maybe half. Maybe half. Okay. Like I said, he's, right. there's still a lot of work to be done. A lot of schools are recruiting the young man very hard, um, but Florida has made a huge jump um, from where they used to be, um, and he's somebody that I know they value very highly uh, on the running back board somebody that I think fits what Billy Napier wants to do at running back very well. Um, and it's probably my favorite running back in the class. Uh, I might be a little biased because he's an Orlando kid. <laughs> I'm going to have to go look at his film. I, I think before we were, we had this podcast, I had not looked at Cedric Baxter's film yet. So I will do that after this because I'm, I'm interested. You had a lot of great things to say about Baxter before we started. So defensive tackle, a spot that we see Overall, high school talent-wise, to be thin at now, and that's not a knock on the current kids that are on the roster because we we have no clue what they can do, you know, except for a couple of them. But we'll see what they can do when, with this new staff and how they get developed. But what are some names that we should look out for in this class at defensive tackle? Do you think we could uh, possibly have a chance to, to maybe land eventually some of these elite ones? Yeah, so uh, defensive tackle is a, a tough position to kind of project simply because you get kids. Um, I'll use Derek LeBlanc as an example, um, uh, top 100 prospect in the country right now. He's six foot four, 270 pounds. Uh, and that's before he's even touched a college weight program. So as of right now, he's kind of projected as a defensive end, maybe a three technique. Um, but who knows, maybe he gets on campus, puts on 30 pounds, 40 pounds, becomes a, a legit defensive tackle. Um, so as far as defensive line goes, there are several prospects like that, that Florida has done a good job recruiting. Um, LeBlanc's one of them. Xavier Hardy was on campus this weekend. They're doing a phenomenal job recruiting him. He's from Macon, Georgia. Um, but as far as kids that are already in that defensive tackle mold. Uh, Will Norman from IMG Academy, a top 100 prospect, uh, has been speaking very highly about the University of Florida. He visited on March 5th. Um, John Walker, uh, a teammate of Derek LeBlanc in, uh, in just outside of Orlando here in Kissimmee, Florida, uh, goes to Osceola High School. He's a prospect that I know Florida's pushing hard for. Um, and he, sta- he stands at six foot three, 310 pounds already. So kind of that ideal defensive tackle size uh, as a junior in high school. Um, and then I'd say probably the last uh, name that I think Florida really has a, a really good shot at landing right now uh, would be Jordan Hall. He's a defensive tackle from the Jacksonville area. Um, several programs really pushing hard for him. Florida State, Florida, uh, UCF. I know George is in there as well. Um, but I think Florida's got a pretty good shot with him, and uh, I think he's uh, a little bit better than what his ranking would suggest as uh, 247's composite. Yeah, and Derek LeBlanc, the uh, I guess the highest-rated guy that you announced right here, top 100 guy, Steve Wiltfong, currently has a crystal ball for Florida, a medium-sized crystal ball there 
for uh, Derek LeBlanc there. Yeah, yeah Derek, Derek LeBlanc's one of those Orlando area kids um, that has a commitment date tentatively set for July 23rd. Uh, he, Peyton Kirkland, who is somebody we'll get, probably get into a little bit further um, in this podcast, and then also Malik Bryant. Uh, all Orlando area prospects that uh, are set to commit on the same day, July 23rd, all in Orlando. So um, you can bet that I'll be out there covering that commitment and uh, things uh, seem to be trending in the right direction for a couple of those kids. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty crazy. Those three kids decided on the same day to commit. So, you know, probably you're thinking they're probably going to all go to the same school. That's what you would think. That's it, it, that's what at least I'm thinking, but you, I've seen crazier things happen. Maybe they're all going to different schools and they all decided as friends to do it together and just said, hey, we'll all celebrate together on July the 23rd. So definitely hey, circle that date on your calendar, man. July 23rd, man. Uh, I'll be I'll be on Twitter refreshing the page every, every two seconds that day too. So, <laughs> all right, man. Offensive line position that we've kind of struggled to get top 250 prospects at across the board for a while. Uh, give us some names of some guys to watch out here that are probably like top 250 prospects or maybe outside of that top 250 a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a name that I just mentioned, Peyton Kirkland, uh, inside the top 250 at offensive tackle. Um, a kid that's got 50 plus offers across the country, just narrowed his list down to five schools um, ahead of his July 23rd commitment. Uh, was was very honest with me when I spoke to him, uh, I'd say probably a week or two ago, uh, that Florida under the previous staff was not even under consideration. Uh, they just kind of got lazy and were like, listen, you're from Florida, so come to Florida. Um, and and that, that, that doesn't exactly work with high-profile kids. Um, and Grant, to be honest with you, Peyton's not even from Florida originally. He's a kid that's from Chicago, yeah. moved down, moved down to Orlando, Florida. Um, I believe it was uh, either late elementary school or early middle school. Um, but the new staff has done a phenomenal job recruiting him. Uh, his mom is a huge part of his recruitment, um, and his mom has has had a wonderful time when she's been up at at the university. Um, and from right now, it looks like Florida's the odds-on favorite to land his commitment. Obviously, they'll have a lot of work to continue to do over the next, what is it, four months before he makes his decision. Yeah. Um, but Florida looks to be trending in the right direction there. Um, another kid that I really like uh, inside the top 200 on 247 composite is Lucas Simmons, uh, a kid from Clearwater, Florida. Uh, not originally from Clearwater. I think he's actually uh, from outside the United States, uh, if I recall correctly. But he's six foot seven, 300 pounds, uh, ideal size for an offensive tackle coming out of high school. Was just on campus, had a phenomenal visit, looked for Florida to, to be in the thick of things uh, all the way up until the end for him. Um, and then a couple kids uh, outside the top 300 that I think Florida's pushing pretty hard for um, is going to be Bryce Lovett. Uh, offensive lineman. I think he's listed as an offensive tackle on two, four, seven could slide inside to guard with at the next level. If need be, um, he's somebody that was just on campus yesterday, had a great visit named Florida in his top two or three at this time. Um, and then you've got a couple other names that are, that were on campus that we're still kind of trying to figure out where Florida stands with them. And that's got guys like Wilkin Formby, Monroe Freeling, uh, Bo Hughley was on campus a couple weeks ago, uh, Georgia commit at offensive tackle. So uh, 
in a at a position where you couldn't really mention a lot of names under the previous staff as far as their connection to Florida and Florida's ability to recruit them well and and the, the possibility of getting them on campus and and having a legitimate shot to land these kids. Things have taken a complete 180 under this new staff. Uh, Rob Sale and Darnell Stapleton seem to be doing a phenomenal job talking to these kids, relating to these kids, um, which could not be said for the last offensive line coach. Um, But um, you kind of move over to the interior of the offensive line. I think probably the the name to watch closest um, is going to be, and I hope I don't butcher this kid's name, but uh, Kenija Harris uh, from IMG Academy. He is a just outside the top 300 um, on 247 composite, but has a number of elite programs recruiting him hard, LSU, Texas A&M, Georgia, Florida. uh, And he's somebody that's originally from, uh, I think it's Fort Pierce, Florida, or Port St. Lucie, Florida, that really holds Florida's program in high regard. And I think he's somebody that should he step on campus again in the spring, could be in, in line for an early commitment. Um, and then a couple other names would be just uh, Roderick Kearney, who's from Orange Park, Florida, and then uh, Clay Whedon, who is from Tampa, Florida as well. Yeah, it seemed like with the last staff, I mean, they weren't great at recruiting, but it seemed like running back and offensive line was like the two worst spots for recruiting. I think we only recruited one high school running back in four years <laughs> when uh, with Knox and, and Dan Mullen was here. And it was a top 250 guy, Naquan Wright. But then you didn't really see any running backs from high school come to the program. Of course, you got kids out of the transfer portal, Lorenzo Lingard, Bowman, two big-name prospects that really was a huge hit with Florida Gator fans. But that offensive line spot's just been horrible. And now that we got this new staff, we're in the running for these top 250 offensive tackles, offensive linemen, and it's just night and day. I mean, it completely is a night and day thing here. And uh I wanted to get into quarterback, and I was going to ask you a quarterback question, but I had a fan want to ask the quarterback question, so I'm going to let the fan ask it here. He says, Ryan Parker from Facebook, any clue which quarterback this staff is prioritizing, whether it's between Manning, Moore, and I think it's Vizina, right? Is his last name? Yeah. Um, so all of those guys are being prioritized uh, to answer that person's question. Dante yeah. Moore, Chris Vizina, Arch Manning. Um Another prospect that's a top 100 uh, player that just got offered is Dylan Lonergan from Snellville, Georgia. Um, He's somebody that they're recruiting as well. I think quarterback is probably the one position that nobody really has a good gauge on where Florida's going with it. Um, Obviously, Dante Moore was just on campus uh, this weekend, had had a really good visit, but uh, everybody kind of seems to think that he's signed, sealed, and delivered to Notre Dame, uh, being from up in Detroit, Michigan. So if he does make an early commitment to Notre Dame, then your quarterback board kind of shrinks down a little bit. Um, another prospect that they offered, but I don't really think they have a legitimate chance with, is uh, Nico Iamaliava from out in California. A lot of people seem to think that he's signed, sealed, and delivered to Tennessee. So after these kids kind of take themselves off the market, your quarterback board starts to shrink. Um, and I think that starts to get down to guys like Chris Vizina and Dylan Lonergan, who are probably the most realistic and guys that they're pushing really hard for. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I, I mentioned more Yamaliava, Arch Manning, all those guys, and those are all five-star prospects. Yeah. Um, but guys like Chris Vizina and Dylan Lonergan are not 
slouches at the position at all. They're both top 10 at their position and composite top 100 prospects. And quite frankly, I think Vizina is one of the best quarterbacks in the country um, out of Birmingham, Alabama, is scheduled to visit Florida next week. Um, and is somebody that has a good connection, visited under the last staff, and somebody that is one of the very few holdovers from the last staff, Chase Clark, um, has a phenomenal relationship with him and is, is playing a big role in getting him back on campus. Yeah, and I, I've watched some of the quarterbacks' film, and actually the Vizina, I think his film was the one that really jumped out to me anyway. And and being a top 100 prospect, it and I know a lot of people, we look at stars, but I, I actually, you, you want to actually look, look at the average player ranking, where they're ranked at in the country, and then go look at film. That's what I do. So that's how I separate which one's actually really good or not. <laughs> but that's how I do it. But yeah, man, when was the last time we were in, in contention for a quarterback in the top 100, five-star? I, I think it's been a while. I think, uh, what was uh, it? You, you'd have to go back to the year that... Uh... Jim McElwain's last year uh, when he landed Matt Corral and was was in legitimate contention for Justin Fields. I think that's the last time you're looking at at this point in the process being in contention for an elite quarterback like that. Right, yeah, because that one was early because Emory Jones was very late in the transition class and he came from Ohio State or, you know, decommitted Ohio State, came to Florida, and then now he's in the transfer portal. So (laughs) we need to – but we do have Anthony Richardson coming up, a guy that I think really could outdo his ranking. I think he was, like, ranked 190th in the nation anyway, so that's still a really good prospect anyway coming out of high school. But, uh, yeah, Anthony Richardson, can't wait to see what he does this year and can't wait to see what kind of quarterback we get out of this class to – possibly push that competition up the next year. So, last fan question here from Kelsey on Twitter says, who are your top three most wanted recruits out of all the guys that I guess we explained? Or maybe somebody we didn't even mention. Oh, that's a, that's a very interesting question. It's uh, hard, especially when, when you and your recruiting class only has one prospect committed <laughs> we, at the time that we're recording this. We want it's them really all. Hard to, 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 yeah, exactly. It's really hard to narrow it down to just three kids. Um, I'd probably have to go kind of categorize it by position of need um, and then kind of where that prospect stands uh, on, not necessarily on Florida's board because I don't know the exact board, but kind of where you can kind of connect the dots and figure out where they are. I'd say probably number one would be Peyton Kirkland. Uh, Florida desperately needs uh, a, a top level offensive tackle to come in. So I'd say he's probably number one on my board. Um, as far as top three kids to land, um, that's a good question. Selfishly, Kelsey. I so selfishly I don't think it's the biggest need, but I'm a huge Cormani McLean fan, so I would mm-hmm. say probably him. Um, and then for the third spot, uh, I don't know that. Like I said, it's so hard to narrow it down two, three players. I'm going to cheat here and I'm going to put two players kind of tied for the third spot. There you go. Um, I would say Eugene Wilson the slot receiver out of Tampa Gaither high school, Florida desperately needs somebody out of a slot that is dynamic. They didn't have that last year with Kadarius Tony. And it really showed that they didn't have a receiver that could really separate. Um, And I think Eugene Wilson is somebody that can do that. Um, And then you, you have to go with uh, the leader and the signal caller of the team. I think Chris Vizina is probably the other one that I would put up there because You've got a lot of unknowns in the quarterback room right now. Obviously, everybody knows what Anthony Richardson can do when he's healthy. 
Uh, biggest thing is, can he remain healthy for an entire season? And if he does that and has a phenomenal season this year, does he declare for the draft? Because he can. Yeah. Um, and then, and then after that, you're looking at a quarterback room of Jack Miller, who's unproven transfer from Ohio state, Carlos Del Rio, Wilson, Jalen Kitna and true freshman uh, that they just signed this last class, Max Brown. Um, so I think quarterback is a huge, uh, you have to land a, a big time quarterback prospect in this class. So I would say him and Eugene Wilson probably tied for the third spot. Yeah. I would say wide receiver will, I mean, if you go talent wise, wide receiver would probably be a position of need too, because shorter is going to be gone after this year. You don't really have a, I guess somebody that hasn't, I mean, Rick Wells showed some pretty good ability last year. And uh, I, I actually think Rick Wells kind of got, <laughs> he got kind of left behind with all the wide receiver depth we did have because it was so mm-hmm. good. And I'm curious to see how he does this year. But if you look at it, if Shorter's gone, you really don't have a, I guess, a top prospect out of high school that uh, to replace. I mean, you got Xavier Henderson and, uh, and I actually like what Friers has done. And we'll see, you know, maybe how he transitions into that wide receiver role. But you really kind of need to hit on wide receiver a little bit this this class, too. So, you know, with all that said, um, you know, I, I know you've been covering recruiting for a while. Um, you know, I, I don't cover it, but I look at it all the time, just like every other fan does. And uh, obviously, throughout the years, we've been very upset not landing some of these elite prospects. But looking at the staff now and how that they've built this staff and all these crystal balls that are everywhere – have you ever seen it like this in a while, Connor? It's been a long time. Yeah. Uh, there hasn't been this much buzz, this much excitement. And and I, I don't want to say there wasn't excitement under the last off staff because there were periods of excitement yeah. during the season when things were going well and and kids were really receptive to to what Dan Mullen and his staff were doing. But as far as like I would say completely warranted excitement because of you're seeing the fruits of, of Billy Napier's labor, the the army that he's assembled where every time that I talk to a a prospect, Katie Turner gets mentioned or Jamar Chaney gets mentioned or uh, Joe Hamilton gets mentioned or any of the off field people that really never got mentioned under Dan Mullen's staff. Oh yeah. I talked to one coach. I talked to my area recruiter or I talked to my position coach, but this army that Billy Napier's put together has really completely changed the game as far as recruiting at the university of Florida. And it's something we haven't seen since dating back to the urban Meyer days where there's this much buzz around the recruiting aspect of the program in the off season uh, because the off season was, was let's face it. The off season was rough under the last staff. There wasn't a lot of buzz during the off season. They were taking a lot of vacations. Yeah. Dan Mullen was doing three sixties on a wake, wake <laughs> skate or behind a boat. So uh, the, the kind of, there are no days off in recruiting mentality is absolutely taken to heart by this, this regime um and you're seeing the fruits of it so so you mean to tell me there's nobody posing as billy napier and texting a recruit no no i think billy (laughs) makes all those uh, i think billy makes all those text messages himself makes those phone calls those facetimes um and quite frankly he is one of the most involved head coaches in recruiting that i've ever seen now granted i've only covered florida 
but uh, obviously you talk to a lot of prospects and they're like, listen, uh, it means a lot to have a head coach be the one to extend the offer or, or be the one to be kind of your, one of your main points of contact at that university. And you don't hear that about a lot of other programs. Yeah. And you see a lot of differences too. Like the film, when they have a kid at, at the university, the film has changed up the, uh, what they decorate the university with that's changed up. You see a lot more communication. You see a lot more of the staff being open. You see a lot more press conferences from Billy Napier being open with the fans and, and be, you know, building, I guess you build the trust with the recruits, but you really got to win the parents over too. And, and that part of the aspect too, but you also see how, you know, how open of a coach Billy Napier is to the fans too. And that's, that's something you don't really see in a lot of head coaches. And I think that, you know, when, when students, um, parents and, and all these other people look at that in particular, they say, man, this guy, it's really honest. He's really open. And that builds, I mean, it builds a good relationship with that head coach when they can see the stuff that he's doing and see how honest of a guy that he is. It really, you know, makes a parent comfortable having their kid want to, you know, visit the University of Florida, stay there for the next four years. So anyway, Connor, thank you for joining me, keeping me up to date on recruiting because I, there was a lot of things I didn't even know that you just told me because I, I used to keep up with it a lot. And when the last staff was here, I, I was just like, I'm not keeping up with this anymore. We're not landing this kid anymore. And now I'm just like, God, I got to keep up with all of this now again. So it's it, it's a good feeling. It's a, it's a good day to be a Florida Gator, too, by the way. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. As I've said multiple times on this uh, on this podcast, man, it's uh, it's a lot of fun to cover recruiting again. Um, I enjoy making those phone calls, talking to these kids, because I'm excited to hear what they have to say. Um, and it's not it's not hard to get good answers from these kids. Now they're willing to share and willing to, to really rave about what these guys have been able to do. And as a, as a fan, I'm sure it's, it's a lot more fun to follow on Twitter uh, or social media or whatever platform you have. Um, And I, I will say this guys, if I ever tweet out a video or anything like that, I appreciate the passion. I appreciate the enthusiasm of hitting me up and trying to figure out who it is. I'm not going to tell you who the kid is that's committed or, or anything like that. I appreciate it. I, I'm sorry if that upsets you, but I'm not going to be somebody that ruins a kid's, uh, a kid's announcement. That'll never be me. Yes. Just look for the sunglass emoji from Billy Napier and you'll know something's happening. Right. Correct. Correct. <laughs> All right, Connor. Thank you for joining me today on Getting Swamp. Been a while. You know, last time I interviewed you, you were at Rivals. Now you're at Sports Illustrated. So it's good to see that you're, you know, your work's being recognized and you're, you know, you're, you're doing things right for us, man. So I uh, appreciate you coming on and joining me today, man. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on the podcast and uh, I look forward to talking to you here in the future. Uh, and yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I know. Let's do it again, man. For sure. Connor Clark from SI.com, and he also co-hosts the Facts Only Recruiting Podcast, a podcast that is associated with Stadium Gale. You guys all know about Stadium and Gale, Uncle Sil, Dan Thompson, Dick Delatore. Good job they do over there on that podcast as well. So some really good information here from Connor Clark, and uh, let me tell you guys this, man. I, I, I've never covered recruiting as a full-time or part-time job ever in my career but I will say I've kept up with recruiting for well over a decade. And I've, I've been through some really discouraging times <laughs> with some of the former head coaches we did have here before Billy Napier got here to campus. And I think Connor said it best. He said, I've not seen this much buzz recruiting-wise 
with crystal balls and everything else since Urban Meyer was here as head coach. So take that for what you will, but as good old JR would say when Stone Cold Steve Austin would come out and hit the ring in WWE, business has definitely picked up here, especially at the University of Florida. And be on the lookout, man. Hit that refresh button all day and all month this month because those crystal balls are rolling in and also circle July 23rd on your calendar, as Connor Clark said, because that will be a day to watch in the future as well. But that'll wrap it up, man. That will wrap it up for this episode of Getting Swamped, your latest in football statistics, special guests, and social media. Thank you for listening to this episode of Getting Swamped.